0: Apple reveals its most valuable product. See if you agree. This is The Focus Group.
1: They're all business, except when they're not. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash.
0: Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are the focus group, and uh, we have a lot of territory to cover today. First, we're going to uh, do caught our eye, which is some stories that uh, John and I will share with you. Then we'll do a uh, a quick talk about uh, two brands that seem to have coupled together. I actually think it's odd and gross, but uh, <laughs> we'll let you decide that. Uh, we'll do a quick break, and then we'll get into our famous business birthday, and then we'll do a shop talk, and uh, in our we mentioned... I had mentioned that uh, Apple revealed what they feel is their most valuable product. We'll see if you agree with that. Also in Shop Talk, we're going to talk about some grammar lessons. Lots of you love to correct John and I. We get it wrong all the time. We are product of uh, Connecticut education, so you can blame that. I got blamed in college. I think John did as well. We often make mistakes when we talk, right, John?
2: You're tossing Region 15 under the bus. Just Tossed him under the bus, like, oh, what are you mistakes that these two make? Are clo- They're clearly because of Region Fifteen. Hey,
0: well, 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 our friend Marianne and I went to the same college, and she had the same one thing. The prof- and one of the professors <laughs> said, "You and you and Bennett are from the same place, aren't you?" And we were in school in Ohio at Marietta, and she said, "Yeah." He said, "I don't know what you two were doing in seventh grade grammar." Out to lunch. Out to lunch. <laughs> so, I miss whatever those you days. know. We had what? What? What kind of school did we have? We had one of those. You know, it was this, the late 60s, 70s, right? We did, what do you call that? Expl- Your mother could explain it, but they, we were doing lots of experimental education.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, was here's that what it was? Here's something that, uh, this is completely different, by the way, and I'm just going to toss this in. Last night we were watching Jeopardy, and the the contestants were all young. You know they were young, maybe millennials. I don't know. But th- one of the questions was: uh, Here, see if you can get this. What famous actor whose last film was The Sunshine Boys uh, used to say? Had, his catchphrase was "Say good night, Gracie."
0: Uh, George Burns.
2: There sorry. you go. No one got it. No one buzzed in. The next question was about um, a senator who was held captive for many years and was considered a you John know, McCain. No one buzzed in. <laughs>
0: Here's what I don't understand. So you, you and I weren't around then. But we right know who New they America. are. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, give, I, don't give, I, don't, I don't give a pass to those sort of kids. It's like I, we've told that story before. Holly, who worked for me, when I said to her, that time you and I were in New York with a bunch of other people, and I said, oh, by the way, there's Billie Jean. <laughs> Billie Jean King, remember, right behind her. I said, by the way, there's Billie Jean King. She looks, she turns, she comes back. Where? I said, right behind you. Next to you is Billie Jean King. She turns around. I don't see her. <laughs> right next to you is Billie Jean King she, turns, she goes she's not black I said what Billie she Jean is not isn't that my who Michael lover about? I said no Michael Jackson did not sing about her he's one of the greatest <laughs> tennis players of all time what do you mean she just went to Yale what did we say about Yale John uh, nothing about but a party, about a party
2: with a $100,000 cover <laughs>
0: <laughs> you went to Yale you paid 100000 bucks then you don't thinking know who thinking George thinking Burns is Billie Jean is. King, Billie Jean King. Michael. John King. There you go, right? Uh, anyway, so how how was uh how was your week off to off to uh off to a good start? I'm getting my second shot this week.
2: Um Bob's getting his today actually, and I think you're getting yours this week as well. So just be aware of possible side effects. You might have nothing happen. I'm crossing my
0: fingers you you take a Tylenol you're fine. I've heard otherwise, but um <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting mine in the great state of Delaware. And, um, you know, I filled out the form. I I felt a little odd because Pennsylvania was a a shit show, quite frankly, to try to get the shot. But I signed up in Delaware and there was a question. I mean, I filled it out, honestly, but there was a question. Do you work in media? Yes. This is media. So uh, so I got through. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, some people have had tough reactions. Uh, It's the Moderna one is the one I'm getting. Mm-hmm. So I'm I think going it's to get either, the shot yeah. and immediately, immediately head, back to, uh, head back to PA just to make sure that uh, I'm okay. So we'll see. And, and you're getting one this week too, right? Yeah. First dose uh, this week, midweek,
2: and uh, I think it will be Pfizer from what I can tell. But the Pfizer and the uh, Moderna are also uh, very similar in profile. So we shall see. I, I'm... I'm how weird i'll just say like how weird it is right a year later and we're dealing with the shots and everything and nothing's really things are back to normal a little bit here a little bit there but not quite what you and i are you know used to so
0: not 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 quite what you wanted
2: no and i haven't physically seen you since our last one of our last in-person broadcasts which was last march it was the end of february early march was it was literally a week before lockdown um and, and so that's even weird because you and I used to always have the TikTok diner, plan business, go over client stuff, do the show, <laughs> walk and you, you want to the know train. what I'm mad about? What?
0: I would park at that train station in Trenton, and they overcharged me twice. So I used the app yeah. to park the car, and the app didn't work. Supposedly, the app was slow. And I had to catch the train, so I ended up paying with the credit card. Well, then the app kicked in, so I got charged twice. So when I got back off the train that day, I think it was March eighteenth or something, I went to the garage and I said to the guy, Hey, I said, I got charged twice for parking here. Here's the app, charge me, and here's my ticket. Oh, blah 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 I said, Can you please credit my credit card? No, I can't do that. Here's what you do. Next week, he says, Leave a note on your car. I check the cars. I said, Okay. I'm I so see guess what? see going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out eighteen bucks. I want that eighteen, 18 bucks. Now it's back. been a year, and you year. still I'm have it on your.
2: You're bucks. still obsessed with that eighteen bucks, right? I am.
0: I brought it up the other day. Richard was laughing. He's like, "Let it go." I said, "I won't let it go." I said because he should have credited my credit card. So I I, I paid that. That day was an expensive parking day. Mm, all right. <laughs> uh, isn't it funny how you we? You know, you know, if we go back to New York, I'm going to put a note on the, <laughs> the car, car. Yeah. You from March 18th, 2020. <laughs> double booking, double billing. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, yeah, but we'll see what happens. So what caught your eye this week, Mr. Nash? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John
1: found.
2: Well, on the heels of um, Unbuttoned earlier in this week, and listeners, you could always check out TFG Unbuttoned. You can get it at focusgroupradio.com or all your podcast platforms. That's our 20-minute audio-only podcast. Um <clears throat> We, had a, we have a partnership with Fiverr, actually. We use Fiverr a great deal. And uh, this headline caught my eye simply because of two interesting things. This 28-year-old earns $378,000 a year on Fiverr and just bought a car for $50,000 in cash.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah.
2: So uh, this uh, woman named Alex Fasulo, uh, she didn't own a car. Let me, let me get her picture up here. Caught my eye. There what we she go. She's doing on Fiverr? Well, this is interesting. This is what I was... She is a ghost rider. And when the um, event occurred, she stopped taking mass transit into the city and she started taking Uber and Lyft. And every time she crossed a bridge, it was very expensive. So these car rides were 30, 40 bucks a piece. So her Uber and Lyft bill went up to like 2,000 a month. She said, this is insane. I'm going to buy a car. She bought a yellow Jeep Wrangler in September 2020 for cash. You and I have talked about this earlier in the week on our other show the uh, tfgm button um she said i'm obsessed with it i love it to death the uh, event inspired me to get one because i wanted to still be mobile and not reliant on flights to go travel and see our country um she was able to afford this purchase thanks to her career she earns 370, 370 a year through jobs she does on fiverr pro i was not aware of this the pro level um the high-end version of the platform where freelancers offer their services worldwide. Currently, she primarily ghostwrites and charges her clients one thousand for a ten thousand-word ebook. Some of those clients are people who are having their pets write books. <laughs> In fact, a large portion of her clientele are oh people God. who want their pets to write a book, so she will write the book for the pet owner, and then they self-publish it. Uh, she says, "I've written ebooks for quite a few dogs." And that's why I still am able to do what I do every day.
0: Wow. So 30th, if I wanted Trixie to write a book.
2: You'd hire so a ghostwriter.
0: Yeah. And so what? So I guess she interviews you to say what was Trixie like and mm-hmm. what did she like to do and who'd she like to play with and who were her friends. Yep. What was her day like? And then what do you do with the book?
2: Uh, these people self-publish it as a Kindle book or sometimes they actually go to the expense of having it printed and they, then people can order it offline. Um, she said that, uh, she earns over, th- she earned over 36,000 in May 2020 alone, her highest earning month ever. That must've been a big time for people wanting to <laughs> have their pets, well, right? 30, books.
0: 36 books, right? Yeah. No. What are we doing wrong?
2: I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I don't know about ghostwriting. That's a hard gig. I, 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 I think if she can, if she can knock out books like that, um, and people are happy with her work and she's able to do this on Fiverr. She must have, I think she's probably good at what she does. So I'm giving her a big thumbs up and kudos, and I'm glad she got a Jeep. Yellow is a funny color. To You and I have always puzzled about yellow, right? It's, it's a she tough a sell. On that. Is it a deal. tough sell, yellow?
0: Yeah, the toughest sell for cars used to be blue. Blue was always the toughest color, particularly a light blue. The dealers used to call it loser blue. A light blue car was always a tough sell for whatever reason I don't know. These kind of vanity colors, these yellows or an in, in orange, or um, you know sometimes the browns, uh, kind of crazy browns. But you now yellow, particularly this is a school bus yellow, mm-hmm. kind of, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, you know they're they're a tough sell. I had that orange Tiguan I was driving for a while, which you know I liked it for about three minutes, and then it uh, it becomes a little bit too but, but, much. But
2: was that a loner? The uh, the Tiguan.
0: Yeah, but then they tried to sell me an orange
2: one. Oh, okay. You know,
0: you know, it's like a hot potato. And I said, I'll buy it if you give me a deal. I'm not going to buy it on purpose. <laughs> I'll you buy it you buy if the,
2: give you give me a color. deal. You buy that
0: color and a deal. But I, I, I'm, I'm still fascinated by this by this book. Books, book
2: plural. With the dog. Books, plural, yeah. So I she, wonder
0: if she writes for cats.
2: Any pet you want. She could have the canary write a book, right? Or a parrot, I suppose. But um, yeah, quite, a, quite the deal there, huh? I... I Hey, look, I was I smiled when I read that and I thought, man, if you can write like that and so quickly and people are happy with your work and pleased with what you're doing, go on and, and knock it out of the park, right?
0: Our friend Mary wrote a book about her cat, Blanche. Blanche uh, gets yeah, a job. I remember that. Yeah, I at remember the farm, that. And then Blanche goes to work. Blanche, you know, goes to school. I I want to look at one of these books and see what the deal is. I think this could be something for us. Um you know what? We'll,
2: we'll offline and talk about that. I y- think that's you an and M-O. I. Yeah, you and I. Well, you and I have talked about writing and.
0: <laughs> Look at John. We'll talk offline. Why don't you just say no right now? Just say no. <laughs> it's
2: not going to happen.
0: Yeah. No. But, but listen, she's got free, she's got all that freedom.
2: But you know, Tim, you're onto something. I'm intrigued by something. Just clicked in my head. Let's say you had the idea and the blueprint for a book, right? And you decided yeah. you were going to spend a thousand bucks to have someone ghostwrite fifteen pages, and 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 you know what I'm talking about—the yeah. the book that we—and you—it's you, offloaded. Someone does it. It comes back. You make a couple corrections. Then you get ready to submit it to the public. That's something we can talk about.
0: Yeah, the difficulty is though is is in your voice, whether somebody knows your voice or not, and that's the difficult part. That's why anytime you and I write something, it usually ends up you and I having to write it because. It's not in your voice, right?
2: Yeah, but you don't think you could. Uh, it's kind of like me as an art director telling someone to design something a certain way. I, I, We could probably nail that. We could probably nail it.
0: Well, we'll see. All right, so All what right. caught your eye? So mine was, uh, you know, I, I kind of got bored of the story. But when I saw the headline, I thought this, uh, you know, this had to be a joke. I thought I, So I checked it out on, what is that, Snopes, where they checked to make sure that mm-hmm. it was a true story. Yep. Yep. So the headline, it was in a few places. It was in Vice. It was in the New York Post. Cargo ship draw. Cargo ship drew a penis and butt before getting stuck in the Suez Canal. So this was that boat, the uh, the uh, the Ever big boat given. that got stuck. Yeah. The Ever Given that got stuck in the Suez Canal. So somebody, you know, the, these nerds like they have flight tracker and all these different sort of um, sort of uh, tracking devices. There's a nautical tracking device called Vessel Find. <laughs> okay. And so before this boat had run aground. It was going, so this, this this ship, this gigantic ship that was all over the news that we heard about, it um, it measured as long as four football fields. Biggest container and, uh, ship in the world, I think, right? What Was it? I, I don't oh know yeah, it's, it, it is one, it's of one of the biggest
2: largest. transports, yeah.
0: 440 million pounds. It was going from uh, China to the Netherlands. And uh, there was a windstorm. It gets stuck in the Suez Canal and uh, blocks the waterway. And that waterway, for instance, I didn't realize this, um, there was a staggering $10 billion of trade a day goes through there. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine yeah. 10 billion
2: a day, 50 to is, 70, some ships a day tra- traverse the Suez Canal. Yeah. It's, it's a right. huge it's about
0: thing. 12% of the global trade, uh, between Africa and Asia. And, um, they were, they eventually this, this past, uh, this past Monday broke it loose with they, they, um, they moved what they said were 30,000 cubic meters of sand, which was about a dozen. They said Olympic size swimming so mean, pools full of sand. Able to get the stern floating again, and then had over a dozen tugboats push it and get it get it moving. But there's a backup of more than 400 ships. They did try to send a few around Africa or whatever, but you know, certainly costly. But somebody tracked the ship on this vessel finder and saw. And if you're watching uh, on the video, you'll see that it actually did draw what looks like a penis and a butt. But they said that was just purely an accident. That that this was not the ship's captain did not obviously intentionally
2: do this. do this yeah
0: but talk about it did this and then it you know it does this boner makes you know <laughs> makes a boner haha and and then um and then the memes that followed this though said that this was very appropriate and the fact that it would be it would it would be uh do a penis or do this sort of thing and then get stuck it was very much like a Mitch McConnell right because it held things up and it was you know so it, <laughs> it was very similar to him as what people equated <laughs> to obstruction right So they did say now, though, that uh, now that the ship is free, there's all kinds of other issues now of people pointing fingers. So the ship is owned by a Japanese firm. It's operated by a Taiwanese shipper and is flagged in Panama. So Mm. there's this multinational conglomeration pointing fingers at each other. So the Japanese company that owns it has a $3 billion liability insurance policy, but they're thinking that's going to get chewed up pretty quick. So they're trying to figure out who's going to pay for what in the insurance claim here as uh, for all this disruption of travel and what it took to, uh, to free this ship. But they also said that there was talks of what, what the shortage is going to be, uh, what things there will be a shortage of. They're expecting that it really did affect the supply chain and what items are going to be affected globally um, due, to the, uh, due to the shipping um, Shipping interruption. I know, have, have you heard things that? Were oh yeah,
2: be... there, there were there were there were live animals on some ships that may not actually make it to the port. Um, you know, because th- th- when they move livestock, it's timed. You know, right. we have X number of water and food and rations for the animals. So there's a big concern about how they're going to reshuffle the shipping lane to accommodate um, merchandise and stuff that's being transported that is perishable or can actually pass away, like a, sadly, an animal but yeah every day or every hour that ship was stuck was costing someone millions of dollars i mean it was like 40 million dollars an hour or something was being held up and it was in,
0: actually 400 million
2: 400 million yeah, yeah in yeah. in global trade so really um i had no idea this i mean i know the panama canal is is really um, you know a huge a huge link uh, for shipping. I had no idea the Suez Canal. And they didn't want to have ships go around Africa, by the way, because then they were going to oh be dealing God. with the Somali pirates again. Remember that whole... yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, and then, and then they said now and then the, the domino effect, right? Because now the ports are going to be backed up and it yep. just, it's kind of this whole domino effect. So, we'll see what happens. But thankfully, they got the, uh, the ship. Uh, the ship is moving. So, uh, so the, the lane is open. So that's what uh, had caught my eye, but I thought the little design of the the penis and the testicles was uh, <laughs> almost too good to be true. And, and my twelve <laughs> and my twelve year my twelve year old boy humor. The, um, we had, we had mentioned earlier um, this odd coupling that's uh, in the news. So as we go into Easter, which is coming up, this uh, and happy Passover to those who uh, celebrate, and to uh, those coming up, uh, happy Easter for uh, those celebrating this this coming Sunday. Pepsi and Peeps have teamed up to what sounds like the most disgusting coupling uh, ever, this soda, which you can't buy. And so some PR hack put out this thing at PepsiCo about all this flowery language. But they're doing a contest, and you have to do a hashtag. You can Google it to find it. But there's some hashtag about what your vibe would be this spring and how, you know, togetherness and all this nonsense about – you know how great the spring is with blossoming flowers and the warm temperatures and blah, blah, blah. And this coupling of peeps and uh, Pepsi. And the cans are pretty. You know, they're the yellow and the blue and the pinky pastelles and they're little. And if you win it with this hashtag and the sweepstakes, you can win one of these limited edition uh, sodas in the cans and drink them. And actually, somebody did at, uh, at, at the website Delish actually try them. And I guess it was a sweetness overload, huh?
2: Um, that I, So I looked at three different articles for this, and every single one of them said, if you are lucky enough to get it or you want to get it, be prepared. It's not something you want to drink every day because it's literally like just pouring liquid sugar down your mouth. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> uh, yeah, and as Tim said, they're not going to be available in stores. Um, contest kicks off, and it's a hanging with my hashtag, hanging with my peeps. To show the world how they're enjoying their favorite springtime activities, there was a couple of fun PR things that came with this. Like some peeps were dressed up in wigs and costumes. I mean, but they were miniature and they were set up on like little village things. Right. I'll just say that uh, in our Sirius XM days, we had a love affair with peeps, um, and we actually and so did our listeners. And we actually approached them, and they're like, "Well, we're glad you like them, but uh, we only market to traditional families."
1: <laughs> yeah. Were you going to So any chance one or? I can
0: to shit can peeps I will, along with all the other, <laughs> along with all the other brands they make, which are Mike and Ike's hot tamales, Goldenberg's peanut shoes. I've never bought another one again since they told us that, um, since they said they only marketed to traditional families. Somebody at didn't somebody somebody there did like us, but oh, then yes. when they got into yeah. the fact of seeing that we were on Out Cue, and uh, what our show was, even despite the fact that we would try the peeps and do everything. Uh, the, the word came back and I tried to find the email. We have it somewhere, but that, um, thank you, but we only market to traditional families, which, uh, we did not qualify as.
2: Yeah, we were, very. And,
0: and, you know, I've since gone to their website to see if they have an EEOC policy or what their policy is for employees. And there's nothing written, um, at all. There's a the private privately held company. I guess it's their, their, uh, their prerogative at just born. So if you want to have one of the disgusting marshmallow sodas, um, I guess you could do it. I'm surprised with Pepsi, right? Pepsi's supposed to be all-encompassing and all-loving. I wonder if they know they tuned up with a homophobic company.
2: I don't think they know. And if there, anybody that's there is listening, they now know, right? I, I don't know that I would call them. Well, you know, hey, yeah, I guess you're right. I don't know if I would call them homophobic, but. Um,
0: what would you call them?
2: Short-sighted. Uh, you know, we had you're a. You're being
0: nice, John. You're being nice.
2: Well, that's my role. You know, I'm I'm the leavening, I'm the nice one. You gotta go in there and you gotta stick and stick and ball and da,
0: da, da. Someone you're, said they didn't like you, John. You're 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 being nice. You're being short they're short sighted. Okay. No, I'm just not
2: gonna buy them anymore. I I, I saw them in the aisle uh, at the grocery store and I was like, Oh peeps Oh peeps. And in my brain I said, they're homophobes. But now I, you want me to say it. Enough, so they're homophobic. Okay.
0: <laughs> they're not. No, they're, I'm just saying. If, if they said they didn't want to do anything with us because they were, they just marketed to traditional families. So they're yeah. short sighted. Okay. I think they're homophobic. Boom. Tell me you're not. Da dun dun. And the period goes on the sentence. <laughs> anyway. All no, right. You know, until they tell us they're not, I'm going to say they are.
2: Good point. And until you find a policy on their website about how they treat their employees.
0: Right. And I went to Glassdoor even to see and Mm -hmm. there's still nothing so we'll see i don't know i could be wrong but i'm not
2: all right right, folks uh we are going to take a very quick break and when we return we have uh business birthday the only business birthday in the universe we are the ones that do this tim is hard at work curating those business birthdays and we have two shop talks one on grammar and one on an interesting product that apple makes that you all buy and uh, we appreciate so we'll be right back after this quick break
1: You're listening to the Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Now, back to the Focus Group with Tim and John. Available pretty much everywhere. I walked all over the.
0: I uh, walked all over the rejoin. Hey, welcome back to uh, the focus group. Tim Bennett here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John Nash. Find out all about us at focusgroupradio.com, and uh, be sure to also listen to our Tuesday podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned. You can find all of our media housed at focusgroupradio.com. Also, you can find our sponsors there, and uh, be sure to check out Deep Discount and click on their logo and start shopping away. The uh, business
1: birthday today, Mr. Nash. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the focus group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays.
0: I was surprised about uh, our business birthday today is Liz Claiborne. Her, uh, her full name is Anne Elizabeth Jane Claiborne. And I actually thought we had a woman on Charlotte Beers uh, many years ago as a as a guest. And I actually thought um, she had the title of uh, what I'm going to announce here from Liz Claiborne. And um, so we'll see if uh, if you agree with me. So we'll see. we'll see what the deal is. March 31st, 1929, Liz Claiborne was born. She uh, died June 26th, that's 78 years old, in 2007, an American fashion designer and businesswoman. Her success was built upon stylish yet affordable apparel for the career woman. It featured colorfully tailored separates that could be mixed and matched. Big 80s clothing for the girls going out for interviews, wasn't it? <laughs> Working girl. Yep, yep, yep. She's best known for co-founding Liz Claiborne, Inc., which became the first company founded by a woman to make the Fortune 500 list. Now, this is where I, this is where I, I, was, uh, I was surprised. Uh, Liz Claiborne was the first woman to become a chair and CEO of a Fortune 500 company. See, I thought that was Charlotte Beer's.
2: Um, did Charlotte beers differentiate between a fortune 500 or was she the first for advertising? Like, did she, yeah, that, did she cut and parse that? Cause she was one of the first for a major agency, right?
0: Was maybe that was it. Maybe it was agency. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, so, we'll so let her have Liz it. Claiborne, <laughs> yeah. Well, they, 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 they both are, uh, both are accomplished women in their own right. So, uh, Claiborne was the first woman to become chair and CEO of a fortune 500 company. She was born in Brussels to American parents. And uh, kind of a fun fact, she came from a Louisiana family. She was the ancestor of William Claiborne, who was Louisiana's first governor during uh, and uh, when the uh, state got uh, statehood during the War of 1812. Her family moved. Her family was living in Brussels at the end of World or the beginning of World War II. They moved back to New Orleans. Her father didn't believe she should be getting a formal education. So he sent her to kind of art schools along the way. So she just kind of studied art. And uh, the family, she moved back to Manhattan in 1949, and she worked in the garment district on Seventh Avenue and worked for a number of sports warehouses. And then she worked for a Hollywood costume uh, and design uh, costume and designer Omar Khayyam. It's a great name, Omar Khayyam. It is. it is. <clears throat> and I
2: didn't know that about the costume uh, that, that part of her career, because that's a really fascinating industry to be in.
0: Yeah, she, 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 They said she after she worked in uh, Manhattan, she went out to she went out and worked um, for the costume designer. He turned into be fashion designer, and but she became very frustrated. She said when working with the companies because she felt that they never provided clothes for the working women. So she and her husband Art uh, Ortenberg and two other guys Leonard Boxer and Jerome Chazen, uh, they launched their own design company called Liz Claiborne Inc. in '76. And uh, it was immediate success. They had sales of two million, but in two years, sales jumped to 23 million. And by 1988, uh, they had acquired and uh, one third of American women's upscale sportswear market. And they said that her strategies for um, what she did for clothing for women changed the nature of retail stores in general. And they give some examples. They said, for example, she insisted that her line of clothing be displayed separately in department stores. To make it look like it was its own department of itself within a store. So you know now when you go into a department store and you'll see, uh, Nautica has its area, or Polo will have an or area, or Calvin Klein,
2: or, or Tommy. Yeah,
0: that was be- she started that. So a store Liz, within a store, like she a
2: boutique had her own area, right? Which
0: which a, I thought was interesting.
2: Like a boutique, a store within a store, right?
0: Yep. She also said that it was the first time customers were able to select many types of clothing. Um, by one particular brand. So, if she was there, you could do a T-shirt, you could do a a, a pant, a skirt, a short, whatever. It said that tradition of grouping uh, special brands has become now a typical arrangement in most department stores. They said in 1980, her accessories line was also founded by an employee, and that alone, um, when she when the clothing and the accessory line went public in 80, uh, 81 to eighty six, the retail sales were somewhere in the one point two billion range. Wow! Wow! She purposely listed all her employees in the corporate directory in alphabetical order because she wanted to avoid the male, hi- the perceived male hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So, because there were so many males, obviously, then that dominated retail. They said she also controlled meetings by ringing a glass bell. <laughs> this just
2: sounds like a uh, Miranda Priestley from *Devil Wears <laughs> Prada*. Ding
0: ding 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 ding. Meeting come to order. Right. Yeah, I'd like you to get a bell. And she said she became famous for her love of red. And they actually called a lot of her red items Liz Red. And she would often go pose as a saleswoman. Uh, In a lot of stores, she would go in and work as a salesperson to see what uh, people thought of her clothes. She retired in 1989, and uh, she and her husband established a foundation. They gave millions of dollars to environmental causes and also underwrote the Nature series on PBS and uh, supported a lot of nature conservancy around the world. Uh, Sadly, she was advised in 97 that she had a rare form of cancer, in the abdomen, and uh, she had died uh, of abdomen cancer uh, at seventy-eight. Uh, 78.
2: seventy-eight. Yeah. Well, you know. And did was um? Am I mistaken, or was Tim Gunn the uh, creative director for Liz
0: Claiborne? I think you're right because his name was when I did Google her and did some other research. His name popped up an awful lot. And I think that
2: by then, that whole that was a big company that had multiple brands under it by the time after she had passed away. And at, when he was there, he, he was overseeing a whole bunch of different designers like Isaac Mizrahi, I think was under the Claiborne umbrella. Wow. Uh, Cool business birthday and what a wonderful woman. Right. And um, I, was there any other stuff about the costume stint? Cause I think she probably learned a great deal in that. I mean, costumes are not necessarily their fashion, but they're, They're different because they're for movies and stage plays and they have to be, they have to express a character differently or more boldly or something.
0: Yeah. You know, I didn't, um, you know, it's funny when you start reading these bios and I always say you can really get down, you know, down and dirty. in some of these, I didn't go off that route. You know, you could go on off that shoot and then you'd be in a whole different, whole different area. So Mm -hmm. I did not go down that route of, of how long she spent with them and what she worked on. But she, she did spend a, a number of years doing that. But um, I didn't get into what what exactly she worked on or what, uh, you know, how long she did that for other than she worked for Omar.
1: <clears throat>
0: Excuse me. But. Yeah, it's it's uh, I often wonder about the costume thing, too, because it, it, it is a um, I think it would be a fun thing to work on. I know you like the special You you like that one show, wasn't it a special special effects show that they would do the sci fi makeup? That I'm was sure. on
2: sci fi. Yeah, I, I used to watch that. And um, one of my favorite exhibits years ago, after Bob and I were in uh, Palm Springs and we made a trip to Los Angeles before flying home. And the, motion, the Academy of Motion Picture, Pictures, Arts and Sciences, which is who does the Oscars, had a pop up museum near the LA Contemporary Museum. And it was a, a beautifully done exhibit on the power of costume and my favorite section was Edith Head who worked a great deal with Alfred Hitchcock and and just how directors and costume designers think about clothing in a very structural colorful and how they think of it in terms of framing and the composition and what people are going to be doing so that was a really that was a really cool thing and i really grew to really truly more appreciate than i had before the the costume side so good business birthday
0: yeah well even when you watch uh All TV shows, Mm -hmm. or even TV shows now, I often pay attention because you do know that they do think about every single thing they wear to make sure that there's nothing that clashes on stage, and that uh, the star is wearing the particular thing and and color and and uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it that people, I guess, just don't think about. But uh, we we do
2: internalize it when we watch it. We don't necessarily say, "Oh, that costume is making me feel a certain way," but it's all crafted. Very. That's what you were getting at. It's all thoughtfully put together. Yeah.
0: Was well, that Liberace's thing about, um,
2: bigger and bolder, uh, brighter. and Well, it,
0: to make sure that don't wear what was this thing? Don't wear black on stage. Uh huh. You don't want to get because, lost. Yeah. You want to be the focal point. And that was this whole thing. He said, he told Elvis, he said, he told everybody to wear like outrageous. <laughs> did outfits.
2: Tell Elvis. Yeah. Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. Elvis, you got to wear <laughs> lots of things.
0: <laughs> Sparkly, glittery, more right? sparkles,
2: nearly sparkle.
0: <laughs> so, so it's uh, time for our shop talk segment. And, uh, John had found this, and I read through this, and I, I, we, we are, we We're are guilty. We're guilty of a
2: some, some, not all, some.
0: These are 11 common grammar mistakes that make people cringe and make you look less smart. Some are quite obvious. There are a couple that I still stub my toe with now and then. But uh, these are 11 uh, common grammar mistakes uh, that people make in their writing or social media. I do find that when I see things... Um, they do say that texting and social media now has really been the downfall of a lot of this, right? Because people Butchered are lazy. language, butchered it. Yeah. Right. You don't want to. And, and even when you do a hashtag, you're not allowed to do an apostrophe. You're not allowed to put any punctuation in for the hashtag. You know that, right?
2: Yeah. It's just letters and that thing at the beginning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what's, um, so what was the. Uh, so as. Uh, as so this we'll was run through compiled, yeah. what was the first one.
2: This came to us from NPR, and uh, the first one is apostrophes. So here's an example of how an apostrophe would be used incorrectly. We need to get our sales numbers up. And someone would put an apostrophe on the word sales between the E and the S at the end of the word. In reality, it's we need to get our sales, plural, S-A-L-E-S, no apostrophe numbers up. This is an example of the all-too-frequent attack of the unnecessary apostrophe. People see an S at the end of the word and they think, add an apostrophe. Um, I am not falling into this camp. I don't know if you. Th- you're, I think you're you're good with apostrophes as well. Uh, that's not our stumbling block. But I guess people do it, right?
0: Yeah, I I do sometimes have issues with when the word ends in an S. Sometimes I will possessive. Wonder, is it
2: plural. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but the and the one example here, though, I was wondering. It's, so it's our sales. So I was wondering. So that's not possessive. Right. It's not possessive of no, our no. sales.
2: No, because in this case. Sales is literally just describing a act, and something's happening. It's not the, it's not sales possessive. You know, like the store. The store has many sales going on. Even that would just be S A L E S. So,
0: right. The uh, the second one is every day, and uh, every day is one word, and uh, so it, they said that every every day is an adjective describing something that's a ver- that's very common, like an everyday occurrence. But every day with a space is an adverbial phrase that means each day. So he starts work every day, one word at 8 a.m. is wrong. He starts work every day, two words, at 8 a.m. I, I, I don't know if I've you've messed never made, up. You've never made that mistake. I can, get, I can vouch, vouch
2: for that, yeah. A quick test to tell if, which is right is if you can use a day of the week, say Monday in the sentence, you should use every day, two words. So, But I, like, this is the common use of every day is, you know, a sponge on a kitchen sink is an everyday item. That's one word. If I said as the right. sponge of the kitchen sink is an everyday item, that's, that's every day is one word versus every day. This is the one that we get killed on, folks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, make, I still, I still I get still, this
2: wrong. This is I and me, okay? We have many uh fans letters at focusgroupradio.com by the way if you want to drop us a line and some shop talk suggestions or caught our eye um wrong the marketing manager told riley and i to talk to to talk with her the right way to say that would be the marketing manager told riley and me to talk with her the general rule use i when it's the subject of a verb i walk to the store use me when the pronoun is the subject of the verb And here's the thing, or when the verb is doing something to something, something to someone or something, e.g., the dog follow me to the store. But I and me, I just go back to, you know, we were corrected once and someone said, you could use me more often. I is very formal. The minute I heard that, I got all confused and I still think I get it screwed up. (laughs) I
0: don't know. How about you? (laughs) I'll I'll say, you know, John and I decided, John and I, well, it's John and me, it's John and me, but we always said, I guess we always said in school, because if you if you listen to it's funny when I go back to Connecticut I'll watch you know homemade commercials they do the local commercials car dealership right and they'll say I maybe it's just a maybe it's just a a, a colloquial thing
2: I don't uh, know I don't know and we've had we've had folks send us notes really great notes like here's how to remember it in your head if you're forming a sentence I'm I try to avoid it now and I just go back to the way I was before I was. Told that I'm doing something wrong. So we'll see. What's our next one here?
0: It's an it's. Mm-hmm. So this was an the, easy um, one for
2: me. What's that? This was easy. I don't make this mistake. I don't think you do either, but we go through it.
0: No, so it's so it's with an apostrophe, yes, which really is it is. Contraction, and, yeah. Right. So the company just celebrated its eighth year since it went public, would be wrong with an apostrophe. The company just celebrated its eighth year since it went public without the apostrophe is the correct way. Because with an apostrophe, it would be the company just celebrated it is eight years. <laughs> <since>.
2: Nicely done.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I've – um and it's not a possessive. It's a contraction. It's well, – the apostrophes, it is. Yeah, that one is – um that we one got is pretty obvious. We
2: got that right. Our schooling got <clears throat> we got, we got that one right. The next one is something that I remember learning in school as well, and I think I do it correctly. I'm not sure if it's all the time, but it's less and fewer. So the wrong usage would be less than fifty people showed up for the presentation, but the right actual uh, structure for that sentence would be fewer than fifty people showed up for the presentation. Use fewer for numbered countable things, e.g. 100 fewer purchases. Use less for things that can't be counted at least reasonably. There's less sand at the beach. Um, use less with numbers when they are a single or total unit that measures distance amount or time, e.G. less than 30 percent bo- of the of us bothered learning these rules. How <laughs> true, right? I don't but know about this one.: less and, less and fewer.
0: Have you, I, I don't know if I've ever I don't you know, know what? If I've ever thought about this one.
2: I, w- this is not something you and I encounter too often in our speaking or our presentations. Uh, it comes up when we're writing stuff, but we usually get it correct. In fact, I'm going to just say we get it correct all the time because we do, we do know that correctly. It's the other one, the, it, the, the, uh, the I and the me one that really, <clears throat> yeah.
0: Number six is lie and lay. Mm. So, so the wrong, wrong would be I could just lay down and go to sleep. The right way is I could just lie down and go to sleep. I uh, I, I could just lay down and go to sleep. I should lay down. I could just lie down and go to sleep. I don't know. I don't know about this one. Do I say lay down or lie down? I need to lay down. I've heard you say I need to take a lie down. I need, I need to t- take a lie down. I don't yeah. know if I've said that.
2: Yeah, yeah you—you've never said I need to take a lay down. You've always said I need, I need to take a lie down, like
0: a nap. I lay down my head I yeah. lie down. You need to lie down. <laughs> you need to lay down. What would you say?
2: Um, I might avoid the whole thing and say take a nap. But <laughs> take a nap. Well,
0: you know, I do that in writing if I don't know. I'm like, okay, Well, you, can I say it another way that I know is correct?
2: Exactly. And you taught me that for names you can't pronounce. The person's name is. Oh, they come from Australia. Okay, <laughs>
0: yeah, he's an Australian. To to lie is an intr- intransitive, which means it doesn't have an object. See, see, I don't know what all the other stuff means. I, I think that was our problem with grammar. They add they we, added this and that. Dude.
2: You mean all the rules with all the pronouns yeah. to this and okay, yeah, we kind of. This next one, uh, number seven, is lose or loose? Wrong. If we stay on this track, we can't lose. L o o s e. If we stay on this track, we can't lose L-O-S-E. This was so obvious to me, and I don't think we, we've ever made this mistake. Yeah. This is a pair of so-called confusables, and it's only confusables because of the one extra O in the word lose or loose. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think anybody listening says, oh yeah, I, I get
0: that right all the time. And, and number, number eight, uh, that and who. Mm. So the wrong would be that uh, the people that reach their sales target will get a reward. The right way would be the people who reach their sales target will get a reward. So people are a who, people aren't a that. Correct. I guess is the way right saying it. You know, Frank DeCaro used to go crazy about uh, Vogue with Madonna. You know, the song where it's ladies with an attitude, fellas that were in the mood, You would go nuts because it's supposed to be fellas who were in the mood, mm. not that were in the mood. So... <laughs>
2: And since Frank crazy, is actually, you know? well, Frank wrote books, right? He's he's, yeah. he's also an author and super smart but I guy. Get,
0: it's not mentioned here, but I still get confused um, with whom. I, don't, mm-hmm. I never know when to use whom, W-H-O-M. That's not here, but I never know how to use whom. With, who who, whom. With,
2: with whom did you have the conversation would be the correct use of whom. With whom did you have that conversation? Who'd you or, talk to? There you go. Or you could flip (laughs) it around and say, who did you talk to? Yeah. So that's, see how Tim, see you, so you did learn. And I'm sure our teachers taught us this. (laughs) All right. So this next one is, um, did we do then and then? No, not yet. Then and then. It's a slight thing. So then, T-H-E-N, or then, than, T-H-A-N. Wrong. That presentation was better than the first one, T-H-E-N. The correct usage would be that presentation was better than, T-H-A-N, the first one. I have not come across problems with this myself, and I do believe that we use this correctly. It's an easy mistake to make, and autocorrect sometimes does the wrong one. But
0: um, this one, I was like, hmm,
2: okay, I haven't seen that mistake too much. This next one, though, I see a lot. Yeah,
0: number 10 and 11 are the two biggest mistakes I see all the time. Uh, So number 10, there, there, and there. So there's there, T-H-E-R, so it's over there, you point There's their, T-H-E-I-R, the air. If you remember it that way, T-H-E-I-R means it's their, like their clothes or their house. Mm -hmm. And then there's they are, T-H-E-Y, apostrophe R-E, there. So they are going, they're going over there. They're going over there to their house. Um, So uh, to me, that one's pretty obvious, but people, I see that one, um... I see those three misused all the time, mm-hmm. but uh, but I think it's pretty pretty obvious. There's a one's a place, one's a possession, and one's a contraction.
2: They're done. And you just—that's exactly how we were taught. And I I I know you don't make that mistake, and I don't either. And um, the last one is your and your, which is again, uh, why are you are or why are you apostrophe are, which is of course a contraction. So wrong. You're my favorite supervisor. And the right way is your, the contraction y-o-u apostrophe r-e. My favorite supervisor, your is a contraction. We just said that, and uh, your y-o-u-r is possessive of you. So I, I these are these I see these pop up, but I, I try very hard not to make those mistakes.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Those that, that that one I see all the time. The your and the your. One is you are, and one is it's, your. You know, I'm going to your house so uh so those are the grammar mistakes i should post well, i'll post those to the facebook page so uh they're all there i'll post the articles so that uh it, it's always good to revisit those things we all make mistakes and a lot of times these auto correct things do it, uh, these, uh, <laughs> do it for you do it for you then you look like an idiot too yeah. which i get upset with hey we uh, we teased the show quickly um apple had put out this uh, someone had done a story uh john had found and the the headline is why the iphone is an apple's most valuable product and so I started reading this and I thought, oh, it must be, maybe there's, maybe it's one of the computers, maybe it's something else, and I'm reading through the article, and then it gets down to what um, the most valuable thing is that Apple sells. And when I read it, I kind of cocked my head, and then the more I read into it, I thought, you know, there really is right um, what they say, and it really does um, bode well for most brands, if you do this correctly. So do you want to reveal, John, what the most valuable thing is that Apple sells?
2: Uh, trust. And, um, you might say trust is not a product, but in this case, uh, it's, it's the core of what Apple's offering ease of use. You expect that the computer is going to do what it's supposed to do. You think the phone's always going to work. You walk, you know, so I I love this because that's really the value proposition of Apple, right? You're buying into an ecosystem that you trust stuff's just going to work. And when it doesn't, of course we go crazy. But I think this is very accurate, and it's it was a short article in Inc. Magazine, actually, and the whole the sum of it really is when you're buying an Apple product, in many ways, the value of that brand and those products is the trust we place in them and the company that makes them. And, and you can't manufacture that that easily. It's taken years for them to gain that level of trust with consumers.
0: See, I thought as I read this before it got to trust, which I do agree with, I thought initially then they were, I thought before they got to trust, they were going to say the experience as you walk in there. I thought they were going to say they sell the experience of buying the product yeah. as you go to the, to the retail side of it, but it really is about trust, and, and, and then they, they had equated that to all companies, right, because you're giving money over to somebody, and you want to trust a brand you're giving money to, Yeah, right? and you want, so you want to know that you're
2: getting a great product or service, and you don't want to have to question that, Yeah,
0: Right, so whether it's an auto or anything, you want to have, uh, you want to have trust.
2: Hey, look, so. our clock is running down, folks. Hey, thanks for joining us this week for The Focus Group. Be sure to check out TFG Unbuttoned on Tuesdays. And all of this information can be found at focusgroupradio.com. And if you want to drop us a line, it's letters at focusgroupradio.com. Mask up, stay safe, have a great week, and we'll see
1: you in the new one. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.